All right, good morning. How's everybody today? Good, cool. All right, uh, as we get started this morning, I invite everybody to do one of two things. Either reach under your seat or somewhere near you, there's a Bible. Or <laughs> you can uh, bring out your smartphone. And if you have a smartphone, there's a couple of things that you can do to follow along with um, the sermon today. There's notes and some questions. If you have the, the Bible app or the or you version, um, simply go to the live, and we have another thing here. You go to the tabs on the side, click on live, and then search the well Austin, and it will take you to the place where you can find the notes for today and the scriptures that we're using. And um, there's a question, a poll question for you today, so you can do that. So super glad for you to follow along. Or if you don't have that uh, app, you can type that particular uh, link into your browser, and that will also take you there to follow along for this morning. As we get started this morning, I actually need a volunteer uh, who, you don't even know what I'm asking for, and you're already volunteering? What if I said, I need a volunteer this morning to wear a dress, Are you gonna, and you're already volunteering? <laughs> okay. can, you spell, can you spell good? I can't, I'm a bad speller. You can spell? Can we read your writing? Okay, come on. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to ask some questions and I'm going to have you write some stuff up here. Now, you need to pace yourself because you need to write five words, okay? So five words across, well, not across, five words up and down, but does that make sense? You, are we good? Got it. Okay, all right. So I'm going to ask you some questions and then I'm going to tell Chris what to write down. Um, and so um, as he gets prepared to do that and he's kind of like, uh, figuring out what he's going to do. How many of you have ever received like a ticket or you've got some sort of court document, uh, like, you, like you, a speeding ticket or something like that, like you're going to admit it, okay? And on the ticket or maybe let's just assume that you got sued or something like that, on there it's going to list like what you did wrong. So if it's a speeding ticket, it's going to say, hey, you were going 95 and a 45. And um, as a result, here's your court date or here's your fine. And there's, there's going to be... It doesn't say this on there, but there's a day of reckoning, right? So here's the thing that you did wrong, and then there's a day that you're going to have to stand accountable for the charges that you have or whatever. Like, so there's a day of reckoning. Um, and so as we talk through that this morning, keep that in mind that, that on some sort of legal documents that there's what you did wrong, and then there's this day that you're going to have to either, you're going to pay for what you did wrong in some form or fashion. So keep that in mind. How many of you have ever told a tad bit of a lie. Raise your hand. And those of you that chose not to raise your hand, you just did. Um, like, I think we've all done that a little bit to some degree. Um, like, um, we said something that was untrue, and maybe it was, like, not super untrue, but we knew that it was untrue. So would it be fair to say, and get ready, here you go, Chris. Would it be fair to say that in this room we have some liars? We, we have some liars. So you're going to write liars up there on the, first one, on the first line. So we have some liars. What about this? How many of you would say, you know what, I was uh, in class, and I didn't really prepare well for this exam, and as a result, I chose to cheat? Anybody willing to admit that you did that? Okay. Or, okay, how about this? Not everybody raised their hands. Some of you are just great students and you never considered even doing that. But what about this? You're playing a card game um, with your friends and you just snuck a little card under your seat until you needed it. Anybody want to admit that? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So would it be fair to say that in the room we have some cheaters? We have some cheaters. So Chris is going to write cheaters up there because I think that we have some cheaters in the room. What about this? How many of you have ever said something about someone else that was not true. 
Like you said something and you, and it hurt them. You, it wasn't true, but you said something like, and, and I think that word is called slander. So you slander. So would it be fair to say, this, was, this one's going to be tough, okay? Would it be fair to say, I don't even know if this is really how the word works, but I'm using it this way. Would it be fair to say that we have some slanderers in the room? Is that, I don't care if it's correct or not. We're using it because I like it. There's some slanderers. However, how many of you ERs you need to put at the end, put those. I think we have some of those. How many of you have ever, maybe it was even when you were just a little kid, but you took something that was not yours. Like you went to the store and you're like, hey, I want this candy bar, but my mom's not going to buy it. Um, and so you stuck it in your pocket or whatever. Anybody ever w- admit that you did that? Okay. Or, or, or maybe, how about this? As an adult, you didn't quite put everything on your tax return that you should have put because you thought you deserved it or whatever. Um, would it be fair to say that in this room we have some thieves? Okay, we're going we're gonna to put that. So put thieves. We're going to say that we do. Not everybody's probably a thief, but we're, we're going to say that. Now, the last one that we're going to talk about here, I don't want anybody to move. I don't want anybody to raise your hands. We're just going to sit really still, okay? How many of you have ever had some sort of lustful thought? Now you see why I don't want you to move or raise your hand. Um, like you've, you've had some, let's just say this. How many of you have, whether it was just in your thought process, or maybe even physically, you've participated in what we would describe as sexual sin. Don't move. Don't even scratch your nose. Just sit still. But I think that, would it be safe to say that in this room we have some people that have some sexual sins? So just write sexual. It doesn't quite fit. It's not going to end with sexuals. doesn't really fit with the S, so don't put the S at the end. Just put sexual. Um, and we're going to say thank you to Chris for, uh, he has really good handwriting. I was a little nervous, to be honest. Um, that's good. That was good. Here's what I want you to notice. Like you and I, we're not going to get a list, a, a legal document from God with our list of all the things that we've done wrong. But the reality is this, you and I have a list. And it probably even encompasses more things that are, that are on our list today, but we all have a list. And here's what I know because of the way that we even see our legal system work. So there's, there's a charge against you and then there's a date. Like there's a day of reckoning. There's something that has to be done because you did something wrong, whatever the case may be. In the spiritual realm, it works the same way. You and I have a list of charges against us, things that we have done that go against who God is and who, what he represents. We have a list. And there is going to be a day of reckoning where something has to take place for the things on our list. And as we look at the story today in John chapter 8, I want you to continually remind yourself of this list, but more importantly, I want you to be reminded of your list, because you and I have a list. So in John chapter 8, what's taking place here is Jesus is teaching in the temple, okay, um, there are multiple people who are gathered around. It's like, it's not just a, a few people and like Jesus is sitting down with two or three people. Like there's a large number of people and every day Jesus has been coming to the temple to teach and people are gathering around and Jesus is teaching some things. 
And so there's a lot of people around. And it tells us in verse 2, it says, Early in the morning he came to the t- uh, again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, going to take a quick time out. Sorry, just ADD moment. If as we read through this today, there's a chance that some of the things that you observe in your scripture, you're like, why does it say that? Or why is that there? Um, we don't have time to address all of those today. But if you have questions, come talk to me afterwards. And I would be glad to walk you through why it says the way that it says some of the things. Okay. Um, verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. So Jesus is teaching. There's people around. And use your imagination, um, there's a group of people, they are bringing a woman in who probably doesn't want to be there, so I don't know, it doesn't say specifically, but maybe they're like carrying her, or they're dragging her, like she doesn't want to be there, but they bring her in, and they kind of like place her in the middle of all these people right in front of Jesus. Verse 4, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery, Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman, so what do you say? Now, so they say the law, and so you should now be asking the question, what do they mean, the law, and where is that coming from? Um, On the screen, there's going to be two particular verses. Um, It comes from, there's two places where it talks about this, Deuteronomy 22 and Leviticus 20, and basically they both say kind of the same thing. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. Says the same thing in Leviticus. And so in this scenario, these guys bring this woman before Jesus and say, the law says that this woman who is caught in adultery should be stoned. What do you say? Do you see a problem with what's going on here? What's the problem? There's no man. And they're even misquoting what the law says. There's no man in this story, and they're saying, the law says that this woman should be stoned. What do you say? Now, there's a couple different ways that the stoning could have taken place, but just so we can use our imagination and think about this, okay? So there's a hole that's been dug. They place the woman in the hole up to her waist. They probably tie her arms behind her back, and then people begin to throw softball-sized rocks at her. So that's what they're suggesting, okay? Just so we're all on the same page. That's their suggestion. This woman did something wrong. She has a list, and it goes against who God says the way that we should live. Matter of fact, it goes so much against the way that we should live that the law says that we should stone her. What do you say? And so that's their question to Jesus. Um, I always love the way that Jesus responds to things. I know that this is probably inappropriate, um, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's just the way that my mind works. Like Jesus responds to stuff in such a way, I think Jesus is kind of like ninja-like. Like the way that he responds to stuff is just like so calm and cool and collected, and he's like, yeah, um, And I know he didn't say that. That's just the way that my imagination works. Um, so there's only a woman, and that's what's going on. So in verse 6, It says, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge against him. So they brought this woman. They're going to try to trick Jesus. They're going to try to test Jesus. They're trying to get Jesus into trouble, okay? Um, And then it says, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. 
It doesn't say what he wrote. We have no idea what he wrote, so I'm just going to share a few things that this is just the way that my brain works. He bends down, he starts to draw in the dirt. I'm pretty sure that he was drawing in red, because anytime when Jesus speaks, it's in red. Um, So he's drawing. Only people who grew up going to church got that one. If you didn't grow up going to church, you didn't get that one. Um, Like, we don't know what he's writing there. We have no idea what he's, it doesn't ever say what he's writing, but it says that he bends down and he begins to write with his finger on the ground. Like maybe, it doesn't say this, okay, we have no idea, but I wonder, I wonder if he was making a list. I wonder if he was making a list of the sins that those guys had committed. Like it doesn't say this, okay, this is Bob speculating, doesn't say this. Or maybe he just bent down and he wrote, WWJD. Um, If you didn't grow up in church, you didn't get that one either. Which technically, I guess that wouldn't be true because it wouldn't be what would Jesus do, it would be what would I do. So it would be WWID is what he wrote in the dirt. Um, It doesn't say what he wrote, but I wonder if he started writing out like a list of some of the things that maybe that those guys, or maybe he started writing their names because he knew that they had some lustful thoughts. It doesn't, we don't know what he wrote, but it says that he started writing on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, like they kept pressing him. So Jesus is writing in the sand, they keep pressing him, pressing him. He stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus starts to get really ticked here. And the reason I believe that he's getting ticked, because this is not the first time that this has happened. It's not the first time that these guys have tried to trick Jesus. It's not the first time that they tried to put him in this situation where they could get him in trouble or whatever. And so they're trying to trick him again, and it's not the first time. And Jesus starts to get ticked because he realizes that their concern has nothing to do with the law. They're not even concerned with the law because if they were really truly concerned with the law, they would have brought the man and the woman, right? Because that's what the law says. They're not concerned at all with the law. They're only concerned with trapping Jesus. So they don't care about the law. And this isn't the first time. Matter of fact, if you were here last week, you heard Tori talk about one of the things. And he starts talking about in John chapter 7, verse 23, he realizes that these people aren't about justice at all. And it reminds us of last week, John chapter 7, verse 23. This is what it says. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken. So basically he's saying like there's these specific rules that people had to go by. And so that one of the rules wouldn't get broken. Sometimes they perform circumcision on church day. Okay, is kind of what it's saying. And, And he says, and you are angry with me because on the church day on Sabbath I made a whole man's body well. They're like, you're okay with making things work the way that you want them when they do what you want to do but I made a whole man well, and you get all upset. And now he's saying the same thing to them. He's like, you guys don't really want justice. Because if you really wanted justice, you would have brought the man and the woman. You're just trying to trick me. You have no desire to talk about justice. So as we continue reading in verse 8, it says, and once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Again, we have no idea what he's writing. Maybe he's making a list again we don't know and then it says in verse 9 but when they heard it they went away one by one beginning with the older ones and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him so what started as this 
public humiliation that they were doing not to seek justice but to try to trap Jesus has now become this personal moment between Jesus and this woman. And Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. What's interesting here is Jesus does something, and he combines two things that we typically don't put together, at least in our own human experience. He combines grace and truth. Okay, he combines grace and truth, and it's really important to understand that he does this because if he, if you and I only operate, or if in this moment Jesus only operates in grace, he says, "It's really not that big of a deal that you were sleeping with this guy. I give you grace." It's not what he says. So he's offering grace and truth. He's like, "Okay, I'm not going to condemn you anymore, but stop it. Don't do this. Is not the way that you're supposed to live your life." On the other side, if he would have or if you and I live and we only operate in truth and no grace, we end up being just like those Pharisees and we end up pointing out all kinds of things and never offering any grace. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And Jesus offers both grace and truth. In Scripture, we are reminded, be holy as he is holy. And it's important to understand that as Jesus is talking to this woman, he didn't say, now, I won't condemn you as long as you promise to try harder. Like, he didn't say that. Like, I won't, I won't hold this against you. I won't hold your list against you as long as you promise you're going to try harder. But holiness, so if we're commanded to be holy as he is holy, holy holiness has to have a foundation of grace. We get really messed up if holiness doesn't have a foundation of grace. And just so we're kind of all on the same page, when I'm talking about grace, it, we're kind of using, using two different parts of it. Grace, undeserved favor, okay? Undeserved favor like not what we deserve. But there's also a component of grace of ill-deserved favor by not getting what we do deserve, okay? So there's those two components of it. And he offers both grace and truth. Now, what's interesting about this story is we get compelled to look at other pieces of scripture that really give us a great foundation of what Jesus is talking about here. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. I believe it will show up on the screen for you, or you can follow along on your phone. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For while we were still weak... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one who will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even die. And then it says in verse 8, But God shows his love for us that even while we were still sinners, even while we still have a list, and it might even be a lengthy one, Even while we still have a list, Christ died for us. So what's on your list? Like, like don't freak out on me, but nobody's going to come down the aisle. The ushers are going to come down the aisle in a moment and pick up somebody and bring them and say, 
hey, this person needs to be stoned because they cheated on their taxes. Like, we're not going to do that, but I'm just asking you to consider what's on your list. And here's what happens. Stick with me because we don't have much more to go over and I want you to not miss this. If you don't have a foundation of grace, it's going to mess up everything else that you deal with in the spiritual realm. And it really gets messy when we start looking at our list. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. And remember what he said, like you don't have to go back there necessarily, but remember what Jesus said to the woman, has no one condemned you? No, Lord. And Jesus answered, neither do I condemn you. Why could he say that? Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death from your list. The reason that Jesus could say to the woman, I don't condemn you, was because he knew that there had to be some consequences for her sin. And he knew that he was going to die on a cross and in effect be taking the stoning for the woman that should have been stoned for what she did. I want you to think about this for just a moment. So he tells the woman, where are all the people who are holding the rocks? She said, I don't know, they all left. And he said, you know what? I don't condemn you either. If you were that woman, even if you're a guy, I want you to pretend with me. If you were that woman and you knew that you were about to be buried in the ground to your waist with your hands tied behind you and you could clearly see these rocks being thrown at you and they're coming at you until you become unconscious and you know that that's the death that you're about to participate in. And now here's this guy saying, I don't condemn you. What would you feel in that moment? I don't know about you, I would be pumped. Like, I wouldn't be like, okay, thanks, Jesus, and stroll on out of there. Like, I would be pumped because this dude essentially is saying, nobody's throwing rocks at me. And the reason that he can do that is not simply in that moment because he's not saying it's okay for you to commit adultery. That's not what he's saying. Because he goes on to say, don't sin any longer. I'm going to take care of this moment, this sin problem that you have, this list that they brought you in here with. I'm going to take care of that. But I don't want you to live like this anymore. And he does this in other places in Scripture. This is not the only time that he does this. But he says, as you live your life, live your life with the understanding of grace and truth. He's basically saying, I'm going to rebuild your life on a new foundation, a foundation of grace. Because 
This creates a problem for us. Because let's just pretend for a moment that she says, okay, I won't sleep around anymore. But she has no grace. Like she just, like, hey, I'm just going to, what, for whatever reason, she, she, she's find a way to discipline herself. She's never around a guy again. She becomes a, a nun. Or what, I don't know what this, let's just say that she worked really, really hard and she doesn't ever sleep with another man. But she has no grace. Does it benefit her that she sleeps with no other man? No. It's not about just performing well. And that's what happens when we have a list is because we think if I can just be a little bit better, if I can work a little bit harder, if I can go to church more often, if I can go to more Sunday school classes, if I can memorize more scripture, if I can just try a little bit harder, if I can get the plaque to hang on my wall for perfect attendance. And we get on this like spiritual treadmill and we just start working really, really hard and we think if we work hard enough that we can stop being liars and we can stop being cheaters and we can start working off our list. But if you are able to not lie and yet have no grace, what benefit is that to you? If you were able to discipline yourself and stop cheating, but you have no grace, what benefit is that? If you were able to stop talking about people, but you have no grace, so what? If you were able to stop stealing, but you have no grace, so what? If you were able to remove all of the lustful thoughts, if you were able to stop participating in sexual sin, but you have no grace, So what? I think the reason that this particular story is in Scripture is so that we can become overwhelmed with the concept that Jesus says, I condemn you no more. And the reason why is because you have a list and it's a bad list. probably can't read it now, but it says paid in full. You have a list. You can't work off your list. You can't be good enough. You can't try hard enough. There isn't anything you can do. Remember, in our legal system, you get the piece of paper. It has a date. It says there's going to be a day of reckoning, and you got to decide what you're going to do about your list. In the spiritual realm, the same thing is true. We have a list. You and I have a list. What are we going to do with our list? And it's not work harder. It's not be better. It's not accomplish more things. It's be overwhelmed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I wonder today, when you leave this place, will you leave the place just like the woman left the place? being so incredibly excited that nobody's throwing rocks at you? Or will you leave thinking, I'll try a little harder? My prayer all week long has been that you and I would be overwhelmed by grace. And so it doesn't matter 
How many people are pointing at you saying, do you know what she did? Do you know how he acts? Do you know the way that he lives? Have you seen his list? Because Jesus is standing before you this morning wanting to tell you, I offer you grace. Yes, there are systems, there are laws that you should live by. Like those aren't bad things. It's not wrong for you to not commit adultery. But it is important that you understand that it comes from the concept of grace, not from the concept of the law. Just because you're a good rule keeper, so what? Can you and I be overwhelmed by grace? Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, I pray that we can actually begin to make an attempt to understand what that means, what are the complications when we simply try to be better versus living by grace. And God, right now in this moment, I pray that we would be reminded of our list. And I pray that we would begin to sense the heaviness of our list. Those things, those moments, those moments, 